Welcome to Rock That Relationship, a podcast about all things relationship with Corey and Tracy. Now let's get real and start creating relationships that rock. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rock That Relationship. Today, we're going to talk about the no contact rule. Some of you may have heard about it before. Some of you may say, I I don't even know what in the world that is. Well, you are tuning into the right place because we're going to not only talk about the no contact rule, we're going to talk about how to use it and how we've used it and you know what are the benefits and then what are some of the challenges in using it and, and some of the nuances behind the no contact rule. So let's just start by defining what the no contact rule is. And we're in, talking about in the context of breakups, right? You've, you know, in a romantic breakup, what is the no contact rule? So Tracy, what, what to you is the no contact rule? Because there isn't a hard and fast definition of exactly what it is, but there are some kind of tried and true, um, you know, things that really come with no contact. So for you, what is no contact? Well, I can't answer for me personally. I'm not sure that I've ever been particularly good at that. Um, I did listen to recently, you know, the past year or so, the breakup bestie, Kendra. Um, and we invited her to be on our podcast, but she just had an infant. So she's very busy with the infant, but she has a lot of really good things to say. I did find a lot of, I mean, her podcast was very helpful. Um, she's very like rigid about it. It's gotta be 30 days. It's gotta be no contact whatsoever. I mean, this doesn't take into account people with kids or pets or something that has to be worked out like on a schedule or something, but, um, it's to break that you need to have no contact, meaning no talking, no phone calls, no texting, no social media stalking or looking at, or, you know, contact by a third party or even asking about the person, you know, just kind of like go into a deep chamber of, you know, a black hole of nothing about the other person to really kind of break those ties, you know, um, I'm not saying it's easy, but I do think if there is going to be a breakup and if you're at the point where you're talking about breakup or threatening breakup or you're using breakup in a way to like leverage other things or, you know, work out your emotions, then it's probably good to have that 30 days of no contact anyway. Um, Right, right. Well, you know, it's interesting too, because we think of no contact, we think of it really as like actually not contacting our ex and, and, or, or we're responding to, I mean, the other thing too, is mm-hmm. when your ex tries to reach out to you and it's like, you know, you can say, I mean, you know, I would like no contact for the next 30 days or whatever it might be, or just, I would like no contact. And if they reach out to you then, and you're not reaching back, they actually ha- understand, but you don't even owe them that you can just not respond to someone. Um, but I think it's interesting. I heard a story about how uh, there was this one couple and they had broken up and the, the one ex had pretty much blocked everything of social media and phone and everything from their ex, but they didn't unfriend them on Venmo and Venmo. Mm. You can make financial transactions and you can see who you're sharing money with. If you're one of the friends on Venmo. And so this one, the ex who wasn't blocked from it would get on there and see who her, her ex was making financial transactions. And like, Oh, you know, oh this gosh. person's going out to dinner with so-and-so and, yeah. and all of that. And so you, I mean, thinking about mm. no contact means not getting on Venmo. It means not getting on Google earth to see where that person lives and what their new place looks like. It, it means, you know, un, unstocking, right. It means right. blocking everything. Um, 
And, and I remember for me, the no contact rule, I had never done it before. Um, you know, it, it wasn't something that was really a big thing, but I had done it more recently um, in a breakup that I had just because I needed some space. And I really wish that I would have known about this in previous breakups, because I think that that space just psychologically gives you some time to kind of heal and sort through and make meaning of what happened. And um, that, that to me was really important. And I really wish I had known about this in, in previous breakups. That's interesting. I'm not good at it. Let's just put that out there. <laughs> you you are good at it. at it. You don't reach out and contact your exes. Well, yes, I have many times. Um, and I also reach back. That's my thing. Um, oh, okay. I'm not, I don't, because I'm a hopeless romantic, I don't have that desire to cut off from particularly somebody I would be in love with, you know? I mean, it's different. I had a situation in the nineties that was not healthy. It was very, very toxic, you know, and I'm not just talking like, Oh, we had a bad dynamic, just unhealthy. So I had, that had to be a complete cutoff. And that was in the 1990s. And it was easier because there wasn't this, all this stuff. I mean, who would think of Venmo? Who would think people are even using Venmo that much that you could like pay attention to their habits. But, um, you know, like I'm, guilty of in the 1990s of driving by an ex-girlfriend's apartment building when I was working, you know, three, four in the morning, because I used to, you know, work and I'd see, is there another car that I don't know in this neighborhood or is the light on or something like that? Um, Nothing ever, anything creepy or anything, but you know, you miss that person. I mean, that's the thing, right? You're going from being with someone, again, you invest your emotions in a person and then bam, you're just supposed to cut them off. Like, I get it. Sometimes you have to, but like after my marriage, you know, I, I, I've had, I had stepchildren, right? So I wasn't at that point cut off from the kids. And so we were all on life 360 and, um, I liked that. So the kids could, you know, see where I was when I was coming to pick them up, but yeah, it got a little bit, it's like, should my ex wife know where I am? Like, am I truly free? Am I free to go out and do what I want, you know, and not operate as in a marriage? I'm not saying I would be doing anything bad, but it's like, you feel like, Hey, do I have the ability to come and go as I wish? Right. And I think it frees you. If you do the no contact rule yourself, it does free you. It frees you both from, um, like kind of like keeping that suffering going. I mean, this is like an ongoing theme that we talk about, but like, if you're constantly trying to run into that person or see that person or, you know, it just makes it harder, but you know, a lot of times you do run into that person and then that's difficult. And what are you supposed to do? Turn around and run the other way or go down an aisle or, you know what I mean? You're on the street and take off. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you can't, I mean, that's the thing. I like like to talk. If you run into them, then you can just sort of turn away or, or not engage, right? Uh, That's part I of the could no- never do I, that. I know, I know you can't, but I'm the practical partner and I think, okay, well, I'm not to my 30 days yet. I'm going to walk away oh, from Oh my this. Lord. Would I you know, really go by, <laughs> you would? <laughs> I, I believe watch. in empirical Wait, evidence and for, <laughs> for me, I need the space. I don't want to see my it. Lord, you know, where, where I fell into a trap with though is, you know, you know, cutting off communication is one thing because it allowed me to just, like I said before, just, um, you know, kind of sit with my own emotions and, and let things just heal without the, just the re- constant reminder that someone else was there and isn't there. And it just allowed me to move on. But 
um, at the same time where my problem was, like, as you said, yours was the reaching back if they reached out to Mm -hmm. you. I didn't really have that issue. What I had was finding out either purposefully or inadvertently from friends what my ex was up to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it it could be totally benign things, just, uh you know, what was on Facebook or something. And, and I got to a point where I was like that, well, how is it no contact if I'm still have some psychological contact with this person, even though they're not contacting me and I'm not contacting them, I still know what's going on in, in their life. And that's not helping me move on. So I ended up, what I did with no contact is I said, I would like to have um, you know, my social media f- free from engagement, but I'd also like to not, not be on social media, people who are connected to mm-hmm. this person, because I also don't want to accidentally see something or whatever it may be. And I made some of those choices and that's not necessarily because there was anything, you know, there's not, it's not about the other person. It's not that I was running from the other person. It was that I needed to spend time with myself and I couldn't do that with the distraction of, you know, this breakup, this other element of the breakup, just sitting there. So really no Mm -hmm. contact doesn't, I mean, sometimes it has to do with like safety, emotional and physical safety and getting, you know, kind of away from somebody that isn't really the essence of no contact. No contact is right. You're, you're out of a relationship. It may have been a very healthy one. It just wasn't right for you, but it gives you space to heal in ways you might not be able to do as quickly or as, as effectively if you were still connected. Well, that was my case really. And to decide, like, is this something that you're really done with? Is this something Mm, that you really don't want to pursue anymore or you can't, you know, I think it's good for both people. Something that Kendra said was like, every time you talk to the ex, you know, in a certain period of time. And I think that she's talking longer than 30 days, um, is like, you kind of have to do the breakup all over again in your mind, you know, but, but something I wonder is like, if, okay, so let's say you don't have contact for six months, eight months, 10 months, a year, whatever, does that, when you find something out, is it less of a gut punch? I mean, everybody knows what it feels like, you know, after a breakup to find out somebody's moved on or, you know, something's happening. It's like you get just socked in the gut, right? So does that time away from that person, does that help with that? So when you do find something out, is it less traumatizing? I mean, I would, I would imagine it would be, but you also run the risk of a lot having happened during the time in which you had no contact. So it's one thing to have no contact. And after three weeks, find out your ex went out on a date, but it's another thing to have no contact for a year and find out like all of a sudden that your ex got married. Right. So I think it's the severity of what it is that you find out because it probably would be a gut punch no matter what, but I do think the time helps. I, I think, um, it just disconnects you psychologically and emotionally, you know, more so with someone um, than maybe if you were still staying and not even staying in touch with, but still finding out or keeping tabs on someone's life. Um, and being well, that's like you going out and doing it, right? So that is like, you're by doing that, if you're like trying to find out information, I mean, you really aren't trying to move on, you know, like right. that was something good that I think Kendra has to say and also coach Dorothy of you know get over your axis doesn't mean that that people can't get back together or you know that this has to be ended forever but it kind of stops the dynamic that obviously wasn't working you know so even right. if people were to get back together it it could really put ah, put that grind that dynamic to a halt you know yeah well and I've you know I've read um 
articles about people using no contact to actually get their ex back. So not what it was intended for, which is to sort of, you know, break free from uh, a situation that may be, um, you know, unhealthy. And that's just unhealthy to the extent that you just don't want to be in the relationship or the other person doesn't want to in, in parting ways. But really this no contact that's designed to almost withhold yourself from someone so that they miss you or they remember the good times. I, I read uh, in this one article um, from X, uh, X back permanently. And it's a, a website and it was a study they did in 43% of those who got back at their exes actually said they did the no contact rule. Um, so is it the, wait, is that a website I can go to? What yeah. Did I'll, I'll post it in the show notes, xbackpermanently.com. Right. And it's basically the question is though, did that time and space away in no contact give people new insight and we were able to reconnect and rekindle a different type of much healthier relationship and get back together? Or was it that the no contact rule was used as a way to kind of um, create an, an absence or a void so that one X changes their mind and goes back to the other? And I don't know the answer to that, um, but what's your, what is your opinion on this idea of people using no contact to get their X back? Is that a good idea? No, I think that's game playing. I mean, again, if, if you're doing it as a strategy, then it's just game playing. I mean, you know, I have this thing about having to tell everything a hundred percent, honestly, that I'm feeling at that moment. So I can never do it. And I just, it's like, why, why, why can't people, why games? You know what I mean? Okay. I, I, I think you, and you see that like, in people's profiles as they get older and maybe younger people do it too. Like no game players. No, I don't, you know, just be honest. Just why can't people just own up to their feelings, speak it out, say it. No, I'm going to come down a hard no on that, Corey. It's not a good idea. Not a good idea. Cause okay, even so if you get the person back, does that were you, was it genuine? Was it, you know what I mean? Like, right. Why couldn't you just have gone to the person and said, Hey, I'm really still in love with you. And I want to talk these things through, like, can we work it out? But if you're like depriving or the cold shoulder or that stuff happening during relationships, and I'm not saying I've never done it myself, but it doesn't, I don't think it, it's not healthy. You know, it's not a healthy way to communicate. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's that quote, right? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. I mean, is that really the the essence of the no? I guess if the person's away in like in a war or something, <laughs> maybe like on a, <laughs> you know on a, I mean? on a mission or a trip, a choice, yeah, right. But like, not like you're, yeah, you're ignoring them, and then they're like, "Oh, I love you." Nobody and... should do it on purpose, exactly, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, what kind of messed up psychological BS is that? Right, right. I mean, so really, when we're talking no contact you know, we're really talking about this idea of creating some type of boundaries and space away from your ex, whether you broke up with them or whether they broke up with you, that involves just not communicating, not running into them, not finding out information about them and not providing information. That like they intentionally, not right? intentionally I mean, doing those things. Right. Things you know? happen and people, you can't just cut off your whole life and social circle, but right. intentionally seeking that out intentionally setting up those things, which means like getting off of social media with them or, you know, not asking friends or, you know, I had situations where a friend would bring something up and I'd say, listen, I really don't want to talk about that. Um, you know, being able to, it's really about creating physical and psychological and emotional boundaries for a set period of time. Now, you know, you talked about, you know, uh, Kendra and the breakup as the breakup bestie, she talks about maybe 30 days doing it. Um, like mm -hmm. right from a breakup, I've read 90 days. I did it for, um, over a year, you know, what, what, 
you know, what do you think in terms, is there a specific time or is it really just dependent on the situation? I think it totally depends on the situation. And I think Kendra actually, she's just saying the 30 days to kind of like initially break yourself out. But I think she's more in favor of much longer term. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, it's true. I'm just going to say <laughs> it. Like I can't, I don't, I just know. I, if it's a terrible situation, that's one thing, but like I said, I'm very, very close to two of my exes, you know? Um, in fact, I'm going to see one next weekend and I might go to see another one during the week. So no, I, no, I'm going to say no, no, I don't, <laughs> no. I don't see. I mean, I mean, for, yeah. for me though, I, I actually really liked it again. It, it didn't have anything to do with the other person. It wasn't about, you like a challenge too, though. You, know, it, you it like was, a rule. I, well, I do, I do. And, um, you know, I did not have a spreadsheet about this logging it or anything. It's just that for me, I just needed some space. I needed to recreate, redesign my habits, figure out how to psychologically set myself free and, and reset my patterns. And for me, the space helped like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I really needed that. And so I also knew that I am prone to um, potentially getting back together with someone. Mm. I know other people are like a one and done and I, and I am now a one and done, but I haven't been. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this idea of like, I was, didn't trust myself enough either to, mm. to not do the no contact. So n- now that I'm, you know, definitely in a different, obviously a different place. Well, well out from my mo- most recent breakup, which isn't even really that recent anymore. I'm repartnered and I, I don't have any doubt that if we had contact or something that I would be, you know, psychologically over, the, you know, over the top, right. to figure out what's going on. I'm, I'm in it, but that, that time apart helped me get to the place that I am. Right. That makes sense. I think it's smart if you can do it. And if it's, you know, I mean, right. Kids, you have kids, if you have pets or whatever, you're not going to be able to do it. But in that case, you should find a way to minimize contact to just the necessary things. Um, you know, I had some blurred lines after I moved out of my marriage into my house where I was going back a lot and doing a lot. And it was basically like I was just living in a different place, but I was still doing a lot of the household stuff and, um, and caretaking of, you know, my ex emotionally. And so our dynamic just kind of continued and it probably continued longer than it needed to. And in the end, you know, that wasn't great. But I also, like I said, I don't like to just cut stuff off unless it's absolutely necessary. Right, right. Well, you know, as you talk about, like, if you parent or something, I had a situation where I was um, living with someone and, and housing was very difficult to get. And we split up, but we ended up living together for many, many months because we couldn't find alternate housing. And we really were better friends than we were partners. And so we just shifted immediately to a friendship, but it still was weird because, uh, you know, our, our friends kind of felt like they should have an alliance with one right. of us or the other, or when we'd hang out, it was just kind of like, what were the physical boundaries? And then like, do we date and do we tell the other person about dating? And, and actually it was, it was interesting. It wasn't until we moved out that we decided to actually take some space from each other. So we didn't have a full blown, hmm. no contact, but we stopped hanging out on the weekends and we stopped, you know, communicating nearly as frequently. And it wasn't until then that I actually started to get over the relationship, but trying to transition immediately into a friendship was really hard 
even though we really were like, we really liked each other, you know, she's a great person and, and so forth. It just, I needed that space. And I'm, I'm assuming she probably did too. And, you know, we're certainly, we don't see each other. We live in different States, but we're definitely on friendly terms. And if I ever pass through her town, I'll call her and we'll maybe see if she wants to grab coffee. So when you were, when you were still living together, did you actually sit down and say, Hey, what are we going to do if one of us wants to start dating while we're still living together? Did you actually talk about that stuff? Uh, I mean, not really. I think the assumption mm-hmm. was that neither of us were probably going to start dating until we moved out, but mm-hmm. you know, we could run the risk of it happening. And so we didn't right. really talk about with those boundaries where we just knew that the logistical boundary of one person moves into the guest room. And that's really the only mm-hmm. difference that happened. And, and I, you know, as much as we weren't really kind of, I don't know, we weren't really meant for each other. And we, we definitely, neither of us wanted to be in a romantic relationship. We still had these blurred boundaries. And until we broke that contact, um, we, we weren't able to move on. And I know it was difficult too, because, you know, how would we have done that living under the same roof? It would have been a lot more challenging to do that. So it's the same kind of thing with kids. You, you, you work together, whatever. The no contact rule can be difficult, but certainly I think what you're saying, Tracy, is this idea of if we would have just talked about it, we could have had some element of boundaries or, you know, some kind of uh, not having blurred lines if we would have just had a conversation, even in the circumstance, just like you're saying with your marriage, having a conversation where, it didn't just feel like you were still married, but living in different places. Mm-hmm. In my case, we were broken up, but still living in the same place. And those lines just got very blurry. And for me, no contact or a, a modified version of that, you know, cause I hadn't really, in- I'd never heard of it and I hadn't intentionally used it, but in reflection, I look and I say, wow, the space that I took then was a variation of no contact. And it was super helpful. Well, it's interesting. Cause I had another breakup where we lived in a small town and we were pretty much the only people who could, hike together for our level of hiking you know and so for seven months 10 months after the breakup we were we pretty much were on our regular like hiking schedule and I would spend the first 15 minutes whining and crying and pleading why couldn't we get back together and then you know she was like oh my god we just stopped hiking together I'm like no and so then (laughs) I had to learn to like control myself right but we were like buddy buddy and I took her to the airport in like October we'd broken up in January and you know when I picked her up from the airport I could tell something had shifted and then you know because we had been so close even after our breakup she didn't tell me that she started seeing someone um and that you know happened to be someone I knew because it was an ex and so yeah it got awkward you know mm-hmm. and yeah I didn't you know it it was hard it was very, it was a very difficult situation, you know, and it put right. other people like family members in an awkward position as well. And it was because we had maintained this closeness. And I don't know, had we just like gone 30 days initially, you know, could that have shifted the way it was? It's it's hard to say in retrospect. And again, I probably just, I, I you know, I've matured and I also like value my sanity more and like my, I'm not as into drama or react reactivity and all that anymore. So I don't want it anymore, but I do know that, you know, when my latest ex reached out to me, I always reach back. I always do, you know, I just am that person. Like I just don't in my life, I don't want to let anything go unsaid. Right. Well, it's so interesting. You and I have, you know, I mean, we both value this, this kind of rule in its own way for what it does, Mm -hmm. but I won't reach back um, because I don't, for me, it's like, 
like you spend all this time with somebody and, you know, for the same reasons that you say, the love and the, the support and just the day-to-day stuff, right? Even the routines and the habits and they're, they're, they're gone now. And so to me, that no contact is that last piece of sort of breaking an addiction to something that I know that either if I broke up with someone I don't want, or if I was broken up with it, I know that that person doesn't want to be in a relationship with me that I need to also be okay with that. So it's to accept the situation. The only way I can do it is to break the addiction to the person because somewhere, some, somebody in that partnership doesn't want to be there. So for me, it's, it's more like, like a cold Turkey breaking an addiction. Like I, I can't just sort of like waffle around and like, I, it didn't, it didn't fare well for me trying to stay living with someone or, you know, maybe trying to keep a friendship. It, it doesn't maybe later down the road, but not, um, not immediately. I have to break it and I can't be lured back in by just benign communication because I will get sucked back in and it'll bring everything back up for me. And I just don't, until I can get to a place where I can manage that or monitor that on my own, you know, which, you know, like I said, I am at a point now, but there was a point in the first, you know, three, four months that I was like, Oh gosh, if I respond, mm-hmm. who knows, I could be, you know, showing up with my boom box and standing out singing in right. your eyes outside of your house. Like I do not trust myself enough. I need some, some break. It's that, yes. And you're more disciplined than I am in that way. I'm just not, you know, I'm disciplined with certain things, but I can't, I want to know. I want, I I want it all said. I do. I want to go to my grave knowing that I said and did everything that I wanted to do in my life. You know, I've always been that way. And, um, it, it does depend on the feelings, right? If I, obviously if I'm like, Oh, I'm over this, uh, then I don't care. Right. But if I'm not over it, if I still want something, then I don't have the discipline to do no content. I mean, I'll do it out of self-respect and I'll do it, you know, it, it, I do think it, it depends on the situation, you know, Mm -hmm. but it is messy. It's very difficult. It's really hard. It's just hard. I, I would say it again. You, you love someone you have that love for them. You have that familiarity with them. You spend that time with them and then suddenly they're gone. I mean, it really, breakups are not the same as death, but they're akin to death, you know? And, and if there's rejection involved, that can be even worse because it's just, it, it really messes with you. So you have to decide for yourself, okay, what is going to be the healthiest thing for me? You don't have to be a jerk about it, you know? But I think with, doing that just making the boundaries clear even if you communicate that to the person look this isn't about you this isn't it's about me resetting or me needing Uh this exactly you know can you respect that kind of thing as long as it's not done to play games or 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 whatever like that or hurt someone right to deprive them or to you know to withhold information. Um, well, there are people who like to do that, you know, yeah. but well, they I just, don't, that, and it's from, like a punishment. Yeah. For me, the no contact rule is, is not about the other person. It's about me mm-hmm. and what I need in order to have that space. But let's, let's shift to what do you do if you want to contact your ex? Like either they reached out to you and you don't know whether to reach out back or you're just thinking about them and you're like, Oh, maybe I should reach out or, um, and this is particularly if you want to contact them directly or, or even, I guess you could say, if you want to like look on their, you know, social media pages or you're about to do that. What, phone what, a friend. Phone a friend. A, yeah. You need to phone a friend. You need to get your therapist on, you know, like that's the thing. Got to have all these supports we've been talking about all along because you know, it's probably not the right choice. 
you know, it's not going to be good for you. And if, if you're the chaser, you got to break that because that's doesn't feel good to you in the long run. And it, I don't think it really helps. So it's like phone a friend, get into therapy, get your therapist. I mean, most therapists, you can text them or whatnot. Um, you know, go, go hit some glass bottles with a, you know, pipe, like get a sport, do whatever you have to do, tie your hands down. I don't know, like go submerge yourself in a freezing vat of cold water. I don't know. Like, you know, it's funny though. You talk about going to like those rooms, the rage rooms or the break rooms. I am so, um, I, I'm so particular that first of all, I would never break anything because that would just give me anxiety. And then it, and then I would go around and everybody was breaking stuff and I would be like mm-hmm. sweeping up little piles of glass. And I was like, don't get hurt. Don't swing that pipe too close to that person's head. Um, but you well, know, hopefully there's not too many of you in a break room. Well, you I you're wearing a helmet. I, well, I can tell you, I might go to the break room just to distract myself. I won't think about the breakup. I will think about people breaking things and me cleaning right. them up. So I guess it serves the same purpose. Um, exactly. but you know, when you say like phone a friend, one of the things too, I have a, a friend of mine who said, if you're feeling like you want to text your ex, text me instead. Don't text me like, Hey, I'm thinking about texting my ex. Text me exactly what you would say. Like mm-hmm. I miss you and just put like a little asterisk or something. That way I know that you're not like in love with me, mm. but just say, you know, just text what you would want to say, because sometimes it's just getting those words out in a text format makes you feel like you've accomplished what you needed to, but just send it to me instead of sending it to her. That's so smart and to pre-plan. Yeah. And don't send that to someone you didn't pre-plan with. (laughs) If I got a, I love you or some kind of text text from you, I'd have like a heart attack. The boundaries. (laughs) Can you imagine if, if I sent you a text and I was like, I can't stop thinking about you. You would like, (laughs) you would like literally throw up and then you would call me and say, I just threw up. I got a text from you. And so that would make me feel I'd be even like, more what is going on? This is making exactly. me sick. Stop exactly. it. One no, of the if I... you plan ahead, it's smart. Yes. Well, and one of the other things I heard that really helps, and I, I did not do this until later on. I did it about, I don't know, maybe six, six, eight weeks in was write a letter to yourself about why I shouldn't contact my ex. Like, you know, some That's of the things smart. like if you contact your ex, you know, you may end up getting pulled back in, or if you contact your ex, it'll bring up things that will trigger you. It'll make you sad. And so what, if there's a time of weakness, you pull out the letter and you read it. I never had any times of weakness and needed to pull it out, but I did write down, you know, reasons why I should stick with the no contact rule. And it really, I mean, it can help. It was sitting there ready for me when I, if I needed it. Good. That is very smart. Yeah. Well, and then like, the other thing too is so many of your ideas I know, are very right? smart. All these things yeah. is all yes. in my in my forthcoming book on yes recovering from heartbreak <laughs> and going through the healing journey that I did. Actually, on a, on a different note, and I'll tell this as a, to the to the group here. I just wrote the very last line of my book uh, about wow. months before I got onto this recording. I mean, there's certainly edits to be done, but. Um, it was very uh, cathartic today, and uh, mm. and so I I love thinking about these ideas. It's a lot of like what not to do in this book because things that didn't necessarily work, but um, it's fun to talk about them on the podcast. Certainly, things that that did work for me, and the, everything that Tracy and I we talk about, it's not always going to be like they're you know the golden ticket to healing and you know dealing with heartbreak. It's just and, and particularly in this episode, Tracy, you and I have really different like views on the no contact rule. So it's kind of cool yes. for our listeners to be able to pick and choose. Like, what do you think might work for you? Like I said, I wrote that letter. And, and, and to know I, that messiness is okay, right? Yeah. That you don't have to do it a certain way. You don't have to do it Kendra's way. You don't have to do it anyone's way. Maybe it's messy. Maybe it's not yeah. pretty. 
And you, you know? can change your mind. You can, you can mm-hmm. say something works and then decide it doesn't work. Like, like I wrote that letter about the no contact rule and then I never needed it, but I still did mm-hmm. it anyways, mm-hmm. you know, cause it just, it wasn't something that I needed. But did you but, ever go back and look at it? No, I feel like I should pull mm-hmm. it out. I mean, I, you know what I did do because again, I'm the practical partner. I created a Dropbox folder that had oh, um, all the different mercy. things that I did for my heartbreak and healing process. So I had one folder that was nothing but like reflection questions and journaling prompts. And then I had one that was like all of my manifests. And I had one that was like resources and articles and links. And um, yeah, I was very organized as to how I did this. So I bet I could find it in my heartbreak and healing Dropbox folder. But did you ever sit around and watch St. Elmo's Fire over and over? I did not. Although I do have sort of an addiction to reality-based dating shows. Well, that's for a whole other podcast series because I do too. And I love it. Love it. Exactly. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, we are, um, you know, again, you know, out of time here, but so excited to, you know, have this lively conversation, especially Tracy. It's fun when you and I have different takes on the same thing and get a chance to really have a lively dialogue. So Thank you all for tuning in to yet another one of our great episodes in the breakup series. And until we talk again, until you hear from us again in our next episode, go out there and rock those relationships. If you liked what you heard, check out our show notes for resources from today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Rock That Relationship and go to our website at rockthatrelationship.com for updated episodes and more great information. Thanks for listening. Now go rock those relationships.